This podcast is intended for an adult audience. Please be aware that some of the content discussed may be triggering. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Reach Out, the podcast, where we are dedicated to ending sexual violence through advocacy, counseling, education, and more. This is the official podcast of Reach Counseling, located in Northeast Wisconsin. You will learn more about the services we provide and hear from members of our team, sexual assault survivors, and the people who support them. We are so glad you're joining us today and would love to connect with you further. You can find out more about us by going to reachcounseling.com. The interview portion of this episode was recorded in May of 2023. Please keep this in mind when dates and timelines are referenced. This week's episode features an interview with Christina Harris of Stilettos and Steel Toes. She shares her story as a survivor of sexual violence and the role Reach has played in her journey of healing thus far. Christina offers wonderful advice, and I know that many will be inspired by the path she has taken. Here's episode three, A Survivor's Story. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do professionally and a little bit about your background? Okay. Um, professionally, currently, I am a welder and fabricator, and I do business for myself independently. I started in the trades with the union doing pipe welding and uh, branched off onto my own. But I have a weird background of doing hair and fixing computers and all kinds of stuff, but trades are kind of where I've found my passion. That's amazing. One of my kids has actually particularly expressed interest in welding, so I'm kind of nerding out getting to talk to you today. That's, that's awesome, because I don't know much about it, so I need to start finding out more. So tell me a little bit about how you came to be involved at REACH Counseling. I wish I was involved at REACH Counseling a long time ago, <laughs> but a series of unfortunate circumstances led me here. At the time, I left a very abusive relationship, and I uh, attempted suicide, and I knew um, I'm, I must have hit my head on the steering wheel good enough that I knew that I needed to change something and find out what it was to become happy again. And although it was the abusive relationship that brought me here, it was a series of traumatizing events that led me into said relationships and leaning on a certain type of person rather than spreading my own wings and becoming more independent. So we've we've been uncovering a lot of layers here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So how long have you come to Reach Counseling for services? I've been coming here for a year and a half, and I've been seeing a therapist here for a year now. There was a little bit of a waiting list at first, but spending time with my advocate for those first few months was very much a blessing, and honestly, that helped a lot significantly too. So even having a wait, it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. Well, that's encouraging for us to hear. Yeah, I I'm wondering about the advocacy experience that you had. It obviously was very positive. For those who might not know what that entails, can you just describe a little bit about what that was like for you and? I often wonder if my advocate goes above and beyond <laughs> <laughs> because she's just been 
um, an absolute blessing. I'm going to get teary. Mm-hmm. Um, I have tissue right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, she honestly held my hand through a lot of circumstances, whether it was filling out paperwork and having to, you know, sometimes you don't even want to write stuff when you have to fill out court documents or um, going to certain appearances. And she, I mean, she held my hand and came with me to them. If, you know, just my mind was so clouded at the time, I couldn't even remember appointments and where I had to be. And I swear she kept me on top of my life in that sense, even making sure I got places or held me accountable for coming to my appointments here, even. Um, because you have to, you have to show up to these things, and most of the time you're scared, and it's just really neat to have someone kind of support you as you grow your backbone again. She's I love my advocate. She's become a best friend, I think. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's so encouraging. I love that you've had that experience, and I know most of the advocates here uh, pretty well at this point, and that doesn't surprise me. I feel like all of them are very passionate and go above and beyond. So that's really encouraging to hear. And I do just want to point out to listeners that there is no cost associated for clients using advocates. Correct? Yeah. You didn't have any cost to you? No, uh-uh. Yeah, because I think sometimes people think, oh, I can I afford getting an advocate or whatever? But that is supplemented by grants and various funders and things. So I just want people out there to know you can reach out and you're going to be provided with that help and the advocacy portion has no cost to it. So I just want people to know that. About how long did you wait to get into therapy then? I believe it was right around six months was when I got in. Five or six months is when I was informed I would have a therapist. And I think that wait is a bit smaller now as you have expanded and are hiring more. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah, we're excited about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because obviously the goal is to see people as soon as possible. And we do have some intake people that are checking in with people. And, you know, just like at the ER, right, they kind of prioritize what is the most high-level crisis that needs to be seen. You know, it's it's not always in order of who contacted first. It's, yeah. it's in order of the need of crisis. And so we certainly want people that are, you know, suicidal to be seen as soon as possible. And yeah, yeah. so so tell me about your experience with therapy. Was this like your first time doing therapy or yeah it It was was, yes I and like I said I wish I would have done some of this earlier in life but I think for my age group growing up mental health was kind of um, tucked under the rug if you had anything going on with you it was almost shameful to admit that so I didn't go to therapy in my younger years but since I have here at first I was afraid because you I mean, you kind of have to do a checklist of yourself and evaluate, you know, your own choices as well. And I think that can be really scary to approach. But honestly, it's it's become having a life cheerleader here. I just have this incredible support team that roots me on and my choices and um, holds me accountable to you know, the goals and things that I want. I haven't had any negative experience whatsoever. That's Uh, awesome. mm -hmm. So you felt like they were really approachable and you could trust them and it was just easy to talk to them. Yeah, it's too comfortable. I could come here all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And my son comes here too now. Mm -hmm. Um, I have three boys and and one, my middle son, you know, he has a different father in a different situation and it's done a lot of good having him here as well and just with family life in general we've we've all become a lot happier and 
um, making better choices in life and upholding our boundaries. We can set a million of them, but I never was upholding them. Right. That, that was the missing link I had. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that how amazing that your son is at such a young age getting this skill set and developing this ability to have boundaries and hold to them. And that's such a gift. Yeah. He's turning 14 and he knows how to communicate. I find that to be incredible. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Yeah. That's really awesome that you're equipping him and empowering him in that way. Tell me if you don't mind sharing just a little bit about your experience with sexual um, trauma, abuse, assault, and you don't have to get into like any details that you don't want to, but my reason for asking this is I just know that there are people listening. I mean, it's one in seven Americans are assaulted every 73 seconds. It's a so, grotesque number. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And who knows if that's actually accurate because not everyone reports, Report, yeah. and, you know. Um, but just maybe somebody will hear a piece of your story and relate to that and maybe be able to get the help they need. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I've unfortunately had a few experiences, and I think that's what led to the repeat patterns in my life. I, as a child, had an experience with a family member that I tucked away and only until recently unpacked that one. Um, I've always been very open about my experiences, and that was one that I must have been pretty shameful about or didn't want to admit or didn't want to sever family ties because of it which then led me to um, poor relationships. Um, I lost my virginity to being drugged at 15, and um, I went in, when I went into the trades, I was sexually assaulted at work. Mm. And um, being in the union, you felt like you should be protected, and you weren't, I was not, I was pushed away. And then, which led me into a, a series of abusive relationships because I couldn't, you know, I didn't see the value in myself or sticking up for myself. So it, it was a series of unfortunate situations. And I think when you see, when you report it and you don't report it, you get a lot of negative circumstances regardless. So often people say, why didn't you report it? Or, well, now look what happened when you did report it. It's, it's hard because you can lose friendships and relationships and... Um, and if you report it later, then people wonder, why did you wait so long? And it's like, well, ask me how many times I did and they didn't do anything, you know? So I think those things are unavoidable. We can't, you know, we can't make judge, judges do things. We can't make police officers do certain things or right. um, whatever. But when you learn that healthier relationships in your life are more important and you can forget you know, if somebody didn't believe you or didn't hear you, that's not necessarily a reflection of you, but it might be a reflection of them. And you don't you don't need those people because there's millions of other welcoming people that you can insert into that little space instead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to... It can be embarrassing. It's hard to approach those things. And emotionally, a, a lot of us like to just tuck it away and tuck it away and then it's it's gonna surface later and I, I'm trying to smash a bunch of goals in life and I don't need that coming back up <laughs> good for you yeah yeah you know I relate to what you're saying about when you were a child there was a family member I had a similar experience and I 
like very much so suppressed that I think it was a trauma reaction of my brain that I suppressed that for so long. And it wasn't until I was in college that I started to remember that. And then when I finally worked up the courage to tell like one of my family members who I was close to, they didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. And that was really hurtful. And yeah. I was just kind of shocked at their reaction. Like it was it was almost like anger towards me, even though I know ultimately it's really they're angry that this happened, but mm-hmm. it's so hurtful when someone doesn't believe you or then they come around to maybe believing, but they're angry at you. Like yeah. it's such a weird range of emotions. I, and I think people don't like to confront those situations because then someone that they looked up to or liked, they have to view differently. Yes. And that can be painful on their own terms and they don't see how that that can harm you by not supporting you or being there for you. Um, I think that's why I tucked the family thing away because I've been open about what's happened to me in my career or relationships, and that was the one I was embarrassed to face. But by the time I was old enough to understand what happened, I had already seen how I had lost friendships in a different situation. Right. And I knew, well, those are, okay, so... Those are the only cousins that I like out of my whole family. I don't want to lose them. And right. so if I tell, then I'm going to lose them. But, so yeah, I'm still working on that one. <laughs> mm, I, feel, I feel for you on that. Oh, gosh. It's so, there's so many layers. When you were assaulted in the workplace, when you were in the thick of dealing with that, what were some of the external pressures put on you or internal pressures because yeah. of the fact that this was so male dominated that situation was a a nightmare and it's actually turned itself around pretty significantly in a weird way but um when I was dealing with it I was bullied so much by other co-workers that wanted to side with the person that had assaulted me I had to endure a lot with him still there for a while until I had a foreman finally stick up for me that was like, okay, I've seen enough. Get rid of him or I'm going. Um, And they finally fired him. The following day, I believe it was, at the union hall where we had class, uh, he attacked me then again in the parking lot. Oh, my goodness. Um, And many people saw, and they stood and watched. And for such a a male-dominated, tough crowd, they really didn't mind being bystanders and just seeing something like that happen. So that made me feel really unsupported. Um, Coming to work after that, I was frightened. I couldn't walk to my car by myself. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't think straight. Um, So I tried to do a lot to stick up for myself and keep my career there, but the owner of the business wanted me to be gone um, pretty Mm. quick. So... I was pushed out, and that did a lot to my mental for a few years after that. I was pretty screwed up. Um, do you think they, excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, but I do you think the owner wanted you gone because they just didn't want to deal with yeah. what had happened? Or like they just... Doing anything for me would be admission of guilt, I guess, mm. you know? But it wasn't because your work ethic lacked or your skill set lacked. Oh, it was, oh, gosh, no. I had yeah. a lot of instructors stick up for me, some foremen stick up for me. I worked really hard. I Everything was tested with x-rays, and I didn't fail x-rays. I 
worked harder and faster and more efficient than a lot of my surrounding. And I think that intimidated a lot of the men there too. And I understand from their perspective why that would be, but it doesn't make it okay. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, the HR woman <laughs> who you really would have liked to support you, she asked me one day, because I have tattoos and everything, and she said, well, don't you think it's because of how you look? Oh, and um, that one really got me because I'm a welder. I wear protective apparel. I'm covered so I don't get burned. So right. please tell me what it is about my appearance that uh, drew that attention. But yeah, there was no accountability on their end there. And the learning experience for me was interesting. I could have sued them. I've And they admit that I probably would have won and got a significant amount for it. But... I'm stubborn in my work ethic. I like to make my money. I right. um, I wasn't looking for a handout. I wanted my career. I didn't want to right. be shoved aside. But I've been doing some speaking with them now eight years later, and they've invited me back, and we've done a little discussing, and they've put in new sexual harassment policies, and they're writing some other policies, and there's a discussion of me possibly coming back and helping them fix that area where they didn't handle it very well. Wow. Um, so you would be like a catalyst to helping future people coming in to avoid what you had to endure, essentially. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was it took a lot just to go in there and have that meeting with them again since I I'm mean sure. I wanted to throw up in the parking yeah, lot. <laughs> that's very triggering to be back in that space, I'm sure. Yeah, but they have um they have new management in there now and they had witnessed a lot of this that happened and they've watched my career since then and I think even if I don't go back I'm happy to help them with uh, righting some of those wrongs and being there for someone if this happens again or if it has happened again maybe people are afraid to speak up because of what happened to me. Um, yeah they saw that unfold and they're like oh that's not worth yeah, don't the say trouble nothing. right yeah, right um so they've invited a lot of minorities and women into the union there they've done a lot of changing and now it's kind of the policies that have to be in place because they do have some employees that aren't used to working with people like that and they need to learn how to accept it or just mind your business over there anyways i mean we're all here just to work you know right right why can't you have a safe space to go get paid and make money for your family. I don't think exactly. that's too much to ask. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Everybody should feel safe where they, you know, exist. So that's, mm -hmm. what would be a piece of advice you'd give to somebody maybe who's listening to this episode and they've gone through abuse or an assault of some sort and they haven't reached out and they're feeling just kind of frozen or, or, or worried about what will happen what advice would you give them? I think when you're in the thick of it, you feel emotionally numb and lost. And myself, I was afraid to get help because I thought I could do everything myself. And I thought I was strong enough to do everything myself. And sometimes it's okay to accept help. I needed help. I needed someone to pat me on the back. I needed the hugs. I needed the encouragement. I needed the praise when I did something right. And I needed the unbiased opinion that was outside of my own negative thoughts. I needed to get out of my own clouded head there. And, and I didn't have the tools to do that on my own anymore. I had gone through so much. So 
my advice is even if you're just slightly thinking about it, you have nothing to lose to try and get help. You, you lose nothing and you only gain everything. So I think people that have a bad perception or a stigma with therapy or help, I think people can look at that a little differently now. It's, I think it's pretty cool to get help. It, I'm, I'm so grateful for every, I'm so grateful for REACH, honestly. It's, it's saved my life and wow. it's made me a lot better person in many ways. So if you want to be successful in your life, start by loving yourself first and let other people love you that want to. I yeah. mean, yeah, you guys are doing it for your career, but you chose this career because you're trying to help people, in right. my opinion. <laughs> right, yeah. I don't, uh, <laughs> I think everybody here deserves to get paid more. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what makes it neat is, you know, everybody's coming here because they want to help. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That is, you're just so poignant in how you speak. And I, I think that that's going to hopefully reach people that are listening and, and maybe really want to take that next step, but maybe just don't know how to. And were you at any point, did you feel pressured to take legal action or anything? Or was it something that you decided and then they just helped you navigate? None of my choices that I've made have been pressured. And I've just only felt supported in the choices that I do make. Any legal things that I've pursued have been my choice. And, you know, my advocate and my therapist have just been so supportive in making sure that I'm following the right choices or confident in it. You know, you, you don't have to feel pressured to do something. It's what's best for your mental health at the time. Right. So I think just having the conversations to talk through it and decide, you know, what is appropriate at that time, it's just nice to have that there. Yeah, because I know I've heard it come up in conversations here with staff that it's not, the goal is not to steer you any direction. It's about to find out where each person is at and then help them navigate whatever decisions and conclusions they come to for themselves. And then we have resources to help whatever direction, whether that be legal or medical, those sorts of things. But it's not, I think there's a misconception sometimes with helplines. If you call, then the police are going to show up or something like that. And it's not that (laughs) that case. Um, Certainly, if you want to pursue that route, we can help you in that way. But it's a safe and confidential way. And that's why I appreciate you talking to us today, because, you know, obviously, we do keep everybody's information confidential. And it takes a lot of courage to share your story. And I appreciate that because I know that this will will impact people. It helps to kind of have a more specific example of someone who's in a situation and did something to improve and and better themselves and get get the help they needed so yeah yeah. and then a lot of situations when you know you might be leaving a household you might be or trying to or you're not ready yet and just even the support system if you know you say you're you might be shameful to ask your friends like my kids don't have clothes right now and you guys offer a lot of support in finding those places or getting help with housing or clothing or, you know, just your necessities so you can start over. Yeah. Even that alone is significant. I think people could worry less about the legal things and it's honestly just, are you safe? Yep. And what can we do for you to make you happy, healthy, and on the right foot? 
Yeah. And I think I'm glad you brought that up about like the resources of just the general day to day clothes, food, housing, these sorts of things. And even though we can't always like directly provide those, you know, fulfill those needs, we can connect you with those who can do that. But I think that's important for like people that donate to reach to know is that when you donate, it goes to more than just the counseling and just the advocacy or the overhead costs, but it really goes to supporting those resources and connecting people to those resources. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about your experience with reach or just maybe even like those close to you, if they've noticed things about you since you've connected with reach or just anything else you'd like to share? My friends point out that I'm pretty different. I feel the same. I feel happier. (laughs) But my friends said that there's just this new little version of me that's better. And I think that's pretty cool. I'm just honestly very grateful for the services that have been offered here. And even if it's, I didn't have gas to get here, gas gets found, you know, it's, it's just really neat to have the support system. Honestly, it's, it's probably the coolest thing I've experienced and I think everyone should get therapy. It should be a high school requirement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's just done a lot of really good things for me and it's helped me be successful in my business growing and everything. You know, I don't, I shouldn't have tried to grow a business again in the middle of all this, <laughs> but the only way it's been possible is by having the support system. So yeah, if you're teetering on it at all, just try it. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to try it. You're not going to waste any time or lose anything. Everything's a lesson and an experience. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing about your story and congrats on your success with starting your own business and thank you. everything like that. So, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Every 73 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. You are not alone. Reach Counseling is here to help, and we're expanding our reach. Since 1976, we have offered our services throughout Winnebago County. We are pleased to now offer our services in Outagamie and Calumet counties as well. Reach Counseling is a sexual assault service provider for children and adults that offers culturally responsive outreach, prevention education, victim advocacy, trauma counseling, and sex offender treatment. As an anti-violence agency, we strive to heal lives and transform communities. Call our 24-7 helpline anytime at 920-722-8150. For more information, visit us at reachcounseling.com.